glad you're here today. It's great to be in God's house with you. We recognize that we could have given uh, more time, but we want a personal contact for you as well today. Uh, throughout the week, there'll be a couple weeks that that's available to you. And now we're ready to just step into what God has for us. I'm super jazzed and excited about today. I, uh, I don't have much of a voice left. I got a little too carried away in the last two services. <clears throat> so I'm going to try and keep it together a little bit as much as I can. But, man, you know, when you're speaking God's word and the, the reality of God in his word and the message is so real and clear. I mean, you just I don't understand um, how you can just be quiet or just kind of like sit there and be like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's just like it blows me away, man, and it should rock your world, you know, and and it needs to. And so I'm praying today that your whole world is rocked in a profound way where the Spirit of God will just transform us as a church and uh, me as your pastor and as your leader in the Word of God and the Gospel. Are we ready back there? Welcome back, everybody. All of you that are online and all of you that are here, if you don't know, share with your people that are not here present in Tucson. They can join us every week, and the services are archived as well. And so hopefully you all are ready, and we're going to move on with what God is all about today, because today is an incredible day in history, in the entire universe, and in the world since creation, in God's amazing plan. Today is the day. Today is the day. For real, man, it's Pentecost. That is what this day is. And you may have heard that term. You may read it in the Bible. But man, when you begin to study God and his word and his plan, Pentecost should blow your mind. I mean, completely. And your life should be transformed with the good news of what God is doing and what he has done. We have traveled all the way back to the garden at the very beginning of time and looked at sin. God's promise there in the garden, he'd provide a savior the answer to man's sin problem, humanity's sin problem. Then we travel a few thousand years. Isn't that crazy? God is never in a hurry. Remember last Sunday? Wait, be patient. God's never in a hurry. Danielle, God is never in a hurry. He'll provide in his time the money you need. All right, anyway. All right, so it's wait, 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 wait. Then all of a sudden... There's this guy, Abram, and he says, I'm going to do it through you, it's coming, right? We looked last week, 25 years before he has that kid, one kid. That's all he ever saw, one kid. God's plan, never in a hurry. God says, I'm going to make a nation. He reaffirms that covenant with that son, Isaac, the son of laughter, and his son. (laughs) Man, God's so good. He is so good. So here comes Jacob. And God changes his name to Israel. And he says, I'm going to make the nation and my promise come through you. Twelve kids. Twelve tribes. A nation begins to be born. God says for 400 years they're going to stay in slavery. And they were in Egypt. 400 years. God's never in a hurry. As they're being oppressed by slavery, they're growing in number and becoming a nation. Finally, God shows on the scene with Moses. Moses, look, I'm about to reveal not only to my people, but to Egypt and the world that I am God. God said this. I want everyone to know that I'm God. I'm going to use Pharaoh, that hard-hearted, stiff-necked guy who thinks he's God. Pharaoh, the Egyptians thought Pharaoh was God. I don't know if you knew that or not. 
But God said, I have chosen him. And by him, I am going to exalt my name. And I will prove that I am God. And so God began to visit plagues through Moses' word upon Egypt. You know the story. One, two, three, four. Coming up to the tenth one. It's the most dramatic and crazy plague of all. God says, hey Israel, go get a lamb. Take it into your house. Keep it as a pet. The day I tell you, you go out and kill it. And when you kill it, take the blood, put it on the door frame. And that night you take that lamb and you roast it. And everybody in the house, stay in there. Because when you're in there, I'm sending my death angel over the land and I'm going to kill everybody that's that oldest son, man and beast, that is not in the house under the blood, I'm going to pass over. But when I pass over, I will pass over you if you're under the blood. Now when you're inside, I want you to roast the lamb. I want you to eat it. But it's not just time for you to have dinner. You need to have your suitcases packed. You need to be dressed in your travel clothes. And you need to be ready to move. Because I'm about to move. God shows up. You know the story, church. They leave. They're going. Here's the cool thing that God is all about. Listen, it is so amazing. People talk about, oh, the Bible is just a, a story written by man. Look, when we look at this account of what God was doing from the beginning, through the lens of history, for me and you sitting here today, when we begin to see the intricate detail of this incredible God and what He laid out for us, it should blow your mind and prove to you not only that He is God, but the Word of God is His authority and His message to me and you. And you can take God's Word for what it is, because it's true, and God's going to do it. He may not do it in our time... But he's going to do it. He just wants us to wait until he decides it's time. And then he does it. So here you go. This is what's happening. God does exactly what he said. Israel is moving out. They're, they're on this journey. God visits with Moses, right? And Moses, God says to him, here's what's happening. As I tell you to have them prepare the Passover lamb, I want them to do something else as well. Now that they're packing their bags, they're getting ready to travel. He said, I want them to remove all the leaven from their house. No leaven. Make bread. No leaven. For seven days, they are to have nothing but unleavened bread. Moses, this is going to be a festival, a celebration. This is a party. Remember, we're doing Passover. The very next day is launching the festival of unleavened bread. The festival of unleavened bread, Moses, is to let the people know I am God. I'm good to my word. You need to celebrate who I am, thankfulness and praise for who I am and what I'm doing. Moses, for seven days, tell them this is the way it's going to be. Now, God doesn't stop yet. This is not a people that are a nation yet. Okay? Here's what's going on. Moses, you let them know this is what's coming. Here's the next thing I'm going to have them do. There's going to be another festival. It's going to be a celebration again. The, the Israelites, the history of God's people through the Abrahamic covenant, ended up with seven celebrations in the year. 
These are three of them, and these are all named festivals, meaning celebration, and they have one purpose, to glorify God, to recognize Him as God, to thank Him for who He is, and to recognize Him, church. That's what these were all about. So here's the second feast. He says, now, from that day, from the first day of unleavened bread, seven sevens, seven weeks, 49 days, Passover is 50. On that day, on that day, we're going to have another festival. It's the festival of the first harvest, or the festival of weeks, because it was seven sevens, 50 days after. We're going to have this thing that's going to happen, and what this is all about is every man... Hear me, guys? Every man is going to bring from their first harvest in their fields because they were going to have a spring and a fall harvest. God already told them, this is what's going to happen for you. And so in that very first harvest, every guy is supposed to come to me, show up with an offering for me, knowing that I am the provider. I am God. I have given you all that you have. Nothing is yours and you need to come and recognize where it all comes from. I know next week's Father's Day, but we're building on that, okay? Are you ready, guys? Ladies, you're not out of this. I'm just saying, hey, guys, we're supposed to show up. First fruits. Look at it. Check this out. It's so cool now. This is what God's saying. The first harvest. And then he says there's going to be a third festival, and that's going to be fall harvest, the final harvest. So there's going to be these three celebrations that I am lining up for you as my people. And you're going to do this every year that you're going to do this. So there's the first harvest. There's this harvest season. And then the final harvest when fall comes and all is done. This is God telling them way back there thousands of years ago. God's amazing. Church, I'm telling you, man, God's amazing. All right. So let's see what this is all about. Exodus 23. I'm going to read you a few verses. Each year you must celebrate three festivals in my honor. You hear what this is all about? Please hear that. God says you're going to celebrate three festivals in my honor. It's not about us. It's not about anything about us. It's about him. To honor and glorify God. First, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. Just as I commanded you, celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in every early spring in the month of Aviv, which in our calendar is April, May. For that is the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. No one may appear before me without an offering. Don't just show up, God says. Come with something to offer me. Pretty good stuff. All right, let me go. Second... Celebrate the festival of harvest when you bring me the first crops of your harvest. Finally, celebrate the festival of the final, final harvest at the end of the harvest season when you have harvested all the crops from your fields. Nothing left. At these three times each year, every man in Israel must appear before the sovereign, the Lord. That's, that's cool stuff, right? Okay, so now let's put this in action and see what God's about. So the reason we call it Pentecost is that's the Greek translation. So when you know your Bible, you know that the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, and then the New Testament is Aramaic and Greek. And so the word that is used for this festival of weeks is Pentecost. So when we look at what's going on here in the city of Jerusalem and what God's all about, 
And God says to him, we're going to celebrate Pentecost where you bring me the first harvest, the first crops. So now let's look at what was happening in this day, in the day of Jesus, with all the Jews and what was taking place in Jerusalem, right? Passover. Just so happened that on the day of Passover, there's Jesus. The day of Passover, when the lamb would be killed, recognizing what God had done, is the very day that they would crucify Jesus. At the evening, when it was time for them to bring in the lambs, as they recognized the Sabbath, there was our Lord. In your hands I commit my spirit. The blood of the lamb is now shed. And next morning starts the festival of unleavened bread, recognizing that God is God, that He is the authority, that He is good to His word. The people that were assembled there to be recognizing that God is good to His word. We're denying ourselves of something to remind us through the season of unleavened bread God is good to His word. There's Jesus in the tomb third day up from the grave Jesus comes out tells us in the word of God for 40 days he's telling showing up to the disciples and talking about himself being arisen and what it means and then the disciples are telling people and there's this crazy stuff going on and then last week we were reading how on the 40th day Jesus was telling them wait the promise of the father's coming you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit you're going to be Filled with power. You're going to be my witnesses. All that I've been teaching you. Remember how we were going through it, church? John 14, 15, and 16. All the things Jesus said about the Spirit-led life, the Holy Spirit, what He was going to do. Jesus says, wait, it's coming. It just so happens that 10 days later happens to be Pentecost. Just so happens that on that 50th day, on that day of the celebration of God and His Godness and His provision and all that He has blessed us with. It just so happens that on Pentecost, when the men from all nations where they had been scattered through persecution and all the things that were happening would gather together back into Jerusalem to come to recognize God because the law told them to. They were coming from multiple nations, from multiple language-speaking peoples, back into Jerusalem. It just so happens that Jerusalem is overflowing with people from around the world. And all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Remember the upper room? There's the apostles. There's a gathering. Suddenly, that's God. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. All right, stay with me. Let's read what God says. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Why were they there? Pentecost. Passover. Unleavened bread. 
Some of them just moved in for the celebration season. So some of these people had been there on the triumphant entry of Christ. Some of these people had seen the crucifixion of Jesus, heard the cries in the streets as he ran by, walked by with his cross, and everybody's screaming and yelling, heard the message that he'd risen from the grave. They're here in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, something's happening. There's a move in the city. What is it? What's going on? And the Word of God says when they heard that loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered. Why? To hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Man, there's verse 9. Here we are, and they give a list of names of people from what regions and countries they were coming from, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Listen, here's the key. Listen to what's going on. Remember, every male was to come. So the people that are in Jerusalem right here are people who believed in God. They believed in what he said. They were there to celebrate. Not only is he good to his word, he's the provider of all things. That's why they were there. Now, God's about to reveal them to them who he is in a brand new way. He was about to show up in a way that would renew, renew a brand new covenant with him that God had planned for from the very beginning, even through their festivals. Man, he's awesome. Check it out. Here you go. Are you ready? And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. There's like this confusion in the crowd. Like, are you hearing that guy? I, do you understand him? I do. Yeah, I do too. So are they. Everybody's freaking out, right? But others in the crowd, there's always the doubters. Others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. These guys are partying because it's the time of the first the celebration of weeks. They've had too much to drink. They're drunk. Something's wrong with them. Church, we're going to come back to this in a minute, but we got to st step back for a second and look and see something very significant. This, what's happening is exactly what Jesus said would happen, exactly in the way he said it would happen. He said the disciples would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, that they would speak with boldly, speak with boldness, the word of God being his witness, right? We read that. He just told it. We read that scripture last week. But he also said to them that when you're doing this, church, I mean, the amazing revelation of what Jesus said. In John 16, he tells the disciples, look, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's so important that he comes. The advocate, the paraclete, the, the comforter, the counselor, he's going to reveal all truth to you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to tell you what to say. He's going to be there. That's what he's going to do. You know him. He's going to be in you. Remember? That's what we were reading, right? Okay, so check this out. We're looking at this account right here in Acts 2, and they're gathered up in the upper room. Now, remember these days prior, it was only seven weeks ago that Jesus was crucified. It was in that event that, of that crucifixion that all the disciples ran away from him scared. It was in that event 
where Peter himself denied that he even knew Jesus, and he was so scared two times, he denied it to a little slave girl. To the point where he would curse and swear, I don't know the man. All right? That guy. Those guys. That's what we're talking about. Now here, they're there waiting, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes inside of them with what? With power. For what reason? To be a witness. And what do they do? They get out of the upper room, go right out in the streets, and they're preaching Jesus. And the miracle that's taking place, church, is the Holy Spirit is not only speaking through them, giving them the ability to speak in languages they don't own, but the people that are hearing are hearing in their own language what? The Word of God, the message of salvation, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Look, Peter is preaching in the same streets that only seven weeks ago Jesus was dragging his cross through. The crowds were spitting on him and mocking him, ridiculing him. That's the same streets. Some of the very same people. And here's Peter, who once was hiding, standing there, calling the crowds to himself to proclaim Jesus as their Savior. That's power. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said he would do. The miracle is, hear me, church, the church is... Look, I I don't know what your background is. I know we come from a lot of different teachings and places, spiritually speaking. And this thing of languages has gotten screwed up along the way. And I'm not here to tell you that I'm saying what's right. I'm saying let's look at God's Word. Okay, God's Word is right. He is the authority. So when the language came, it was an understandable language, and every person there heard the message. And they understood it. There was a a miracle of not only a language, but there was a miracle of hearing. And it was the work of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of that language and the purpose of the message was so that people would know about Jesus. What did Jesus tell us the Holy Spirit would do? He will tell you about me. He will empower you to be a witness for me. He will reveal what I said. Look, it's everything Jesus said that would happen is what's happening. And we in the church have made it about us and what's happening in us in the upper room. Yeah. What's happening to me in the upper room instead of taking what God does in the upper room and go and do something with it the way God said it was coming to us for that very purpose to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Come on. It's not about me and you. This festival is about God. Just so happens to be that day. Huh. Isn't that amazing? It was necessary to preach the good news of the gospel. So there's three main focus points about this event. The promise of the baptism, filling of the believer with the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus said, that you will be filled. The second thing was power, that they would be able to share the gospel and that the Spirit would be in them to do this. It's not about speaking in another language. He didn't even tell them they were going to do that. They didn't even know. So they weren't looking for that. They were waiting for the promise. When the promise came, God did what he does. So let's not try and make God do what we think he ought to do. Let's let God do what he says he'll do when he wants to do it, the way he wants to do it, and then God can actually do something. 
<laughs> and then, just so happens, this is like the coolest thing in the world, that 3,000 people get saved on the day of Pentecost, the first harvest. The first harvest to God's redemptive plan. Isn't that amazing? I mean, there's still people thinking they're drunk. There's still people mocking them. But 3,000 of them believe. You're not going to convert everybody. Not everybody's going to listen. Not everyone's going to believe. But you share Jesus so that they have an opportunity to believe. There always will be mockers. There will always be people saying we're crazy. That doesn't matter. It's all about Jesus. We share Jesus, and that's on them. So as you continue reading in Acts chapter 2, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, see, it's okay that I get loud. Peter did too, right? Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for all of that. Remind some of your friends of that, okay? Let's look at what the Word of God says now. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Can I just pause here before I read this? Because this is like the coolest thing, what the Holy Spirit has just done. Peter was in the upper room praying. He wasn't like thinking, what, what three-point message can I go out in the streets and preach about Jesus? He didn't know he was going to preach about Jesus. He didn't know. He didn't know. But what happened from the infilling of the Holy Spirit to when Peter got in the streets and started to speak was what we call what Jesus said would happen, a revelation of truth by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And in that very moment, Peter was like, Joel said this would happen. As the Spirit of God gives him a reference to the Old Testament prophet that all these Jews had heard and been taught about, that this was coming. So the Spirit of God reveals this to Peter, and this is what he says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Man, hallelujah. God is so amazing. God is so amazing. So here is Peter preaching Jesus. He announces something right here, church. He says, this day it's fulfilled. What the Old Testament prophet proclaimed would happen. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. So the Holy Spirit came on our people. What did Jesus tell us the Holy Spirit was coming to do? He's coming with three convictions. Convict the world of sin, their need of a Savior. Convict the believer of righteousness that they can live a godly life and a coming judgment, right? So the Spirit of God, John 14, 15, and 16, we've done that in other messages and we've done that recently, but you can look it up. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. So let's check this out, what's going on right here. Jesus, God, he declares to them that the prophet Joel said God was going to pour his Spirit out on all flesh. So what's God doing? Holy Spirit comes, just like Jesus said, he's in the believers, in they're powerfully witnessing to him. Now the Spirit of God is upon those that are listening. Man, it's so awesome. And here's what we need to hear. This very moment, as Peter preaches under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he said, this is fulfilled in your hearing. 
the last days. Church, I want you to know that since Pentecost, we've been in the last days. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. It's not like right now. It's not because you're reading headlines and they can fit in some prophetic word. Church, God has already let us know that on the day of Pentecost, the last days started. We just read it. Peter said, this is what Joel wrote about. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That means the last days started 2,000 years ago at Pentecost. So, stop trying to make prophecy fit your life. Seriously, I mean, I love you and I love prophecy and it's truth. Let God reveal it and let him interpret it because he will. And God did right here. He said, I'm going to do this. This is what's the last days. The spirit of God is poured out on all flesh. Things are happening. Men and women both will prophesy. Sorry, guys, but ladies can speak the word of God. It's biblical. It is a prophetic word of God. They can speak it when the spirit of God comes on them. It's biblical. God said so. All right? Now look, let's continue to look at what God's Word says, not what I think, not what I interpret, not what I've been taught. What God says. His Spirit's on all flesh, filling the believer. Now let's see what else takes place in this outpouring of the Spirit as Peter continues to preach. And if you read from verse 14 all the way through, it's still him preaching, but I can't read all that because we don't have time. But let's look at verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Isn't that awesome? Listen to this. Peter's words pierced their hearts. What's going on, church? Holy Spirit's conviction, man. Isn't that awesome? Man, they're hearing something like, whoa, we killed the Savior. We killed the Messiah. Holy Spirit upon Conviction falls. Brothers, what should we do? We screwed up. Now what? Here's the good news. Here is the good news. Here it is. Peter lays it out right here. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Man, that's, yeah, pretty clear, right? Laid right out to us in God's Word. It's not this church's formula. It's not that church. It's God's formula. This is what He laid out for us from the Word of God. He's like, yeah, first you've got to repent. You're a screwed up sinner. You've got to turn to God. You've got to change your life. You've got to come and understand that and then be baptized in that faith, understanding Jesus is your Savior. And so that baptism takes place after your faith is engaged in salvation. Not before. Come on. It's the Word of God. Repent. Turn to God. Be baptized. Be filled. All of you that like systems, there you go. God's system. All right. We keep reading. This promise is to you, to your children, to those far away. That's me and you. Isn't that awesome? Oh, I love when I'm in the Bible. I love it. That's me right there that he's talking to. That's you, church. That's us. It's for us. He says it's for me and you. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. See, short messages are not 
biblical. I'm serious. So when you start checking your clock, you need to convict yourself and say, I got to stop that. And this message is obviously not long enough if you're thinking about what time it is. So I'm just going to keep talking today. No. <laughs> I, I'm teasing. I, I'm just saying, you know, I, I just, you know, that weight thing and patience and all that. I mean, sometimes we're like so busy that we don't even want to give God a few extra minutes. Yeah. Save yourselves. Well, let me do this. He kept preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners to do what? Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Isn't it crazy how things haven't changed at all? This is 2,000 years ago, and he's saying, man, the world's screwed up out there. There's, I mean, it is messed up. The culture out there we're living in is so screwed up. You need to save yourself. Get out of that mess. It's the same message. Same situation. See, sin is brokenness, and the people he was talking to were broken. They were messed up. Life was messed up, and he's saying, there's hope. Nothing's changed. It's exactly the same. It's no different. Church. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 and all. So when we look about this, we see all that Jesus said and all that he promised. Then we look all the way back and we see God's promise. And what we find as we look at this thing is the promise of God's gospel message coming to truth like it always does. In his perfect timing like it always is for his people that are waiting like we rarely do. <laughs> all right so here it is three thousand people are saved right okay that's the first harvest think about it put it all together now god's redemptive plan there to celebrate who he is recognizing he is god's first harvest of the first fruits three thousand souls are saved day one of pentecost the day the Holy Spirit comes, the fulfillment of all that God had planned for earthly redemption on that day. Yes. So now, when we put it together, think about it now, 3,000 are saved in the first harvest, but then the harvest season continued, the planting, the sowing, the reaping, until the final harvest in the fall. So that festival is still coming. Yay. That day's coming when the harvest season will be passed and it'll all be over. But church, right now we're in the harvest season. God is still working. God is calling us to be bold with our faith, to reach out into the fields. Remember when he told the disciples? Come on, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors. That's me and you. That the fields are white for the harvest. Peter writes to the church and he says, hey, God is not slow in responding, guys. No. God is good to His Word. God is going to come, but He's long-suffering. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He's calling people to repentance. God's not delaying His coming. He's not ending. I'm saying the final harvest is not that God is just kind of like, I don't know what to do. His mercy is waiting, and He's saying, look. Look at all the lost. Look at the broken. They need the message. They need to know the Savior. How can I put in the last harvest when that looks like that? And he's calling to the church, me and you, on a day like today, so many before us in history and saying, church, this is what it's all about. It's all about God. 
It's all about his redemptive plan. It's about the message of Jesus Christ. It's about transformed lives. It's about being baptized, taking the message and going home. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were all there. They received Christ. They went back to their homes. Do you remember what you just heard a little while ago from our friends? They're coming into these camps, many languages, teaching Jesus giving them the gospel in their own language to go home to their people to share the good news. Pentecost all over again. Isn't that awesome? Church, we're sitting here right now in this place called Tucson, Arizona, and the Spirit of God has come to us and is empowering us and calling us and convicting us that we might go out there into this mission field and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's coming a day where the final harvest will happen. That day is coming. Peter read about it in that prophecy of Joel. He said, not only is this the last days, but the day of the Lord is coming. That was included in that message. We are between the first fruits and the day of the Lord. Therefore, we are in the harvest season. Church, the Spirit of God is alive and well. He is moving and the Spirit of God is upon us. And it has been since the day of Pentecost. We are not in this thing on our own. We're not trying to figure it out. We need to walk with Him and let Him lead us and God Himself will do the harvesting in due season as we follow His lead. Yeah, the day of the Lord's coming. It is. It's down there. I don't know how far. I don't care. I want to be following Him right now, sharing the good news with everyone He puts in front of me so that they have a chance to know the gospel. That's what your life's all about. Remember this. All those festivals were all about God. Don't show up empty-handed. Know who I am. Praise me for who I am. Thank me for all I give and go out there and serve me, right? That's what it's all about. That's what Pentecost is all about. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about Jesus. It's not about me and you. It's not about what happens in the upper room. It's about what happens in the streets. Therefore, if all we have is an upper room experience, we missed it. Yeah, we really did. We missed it. It's not about this. This is about that. It's biblical. It's what the Holy Spirit's all about. So here's your action steps. You guys, man, we're out of here on time. That's amazing. That's a God thing. (laughs) Well, we're not out of here yet. I'm sorry. I have some uh, action steps. First one, have you repented of your sin and received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you done that? It's clear. Peter's preaching, and he says you need to repent and turn to God. Please, man, it's not about just repenting, being sorry that you're a sinner. There's a turning to God, turning away from your sin, turning away from your broken life to God. So now that you have repented and you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm asking you, church, have you been baptized since you believed? It's biblical. Just saying. If you have not yet been baptized since you believed, July 7th, we'll have a baptism. You can be. And if you can't wait that long, we have water here. I got a hose or a bucket or do something, and I'll, we'll do it, man. Okay? But have you been baptized since you believed? If you haven't, you need to be. It's biblical. And it's also biblical that people were rebaptized. Read Acts 16. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. Before that, they were baptized in John's baptism. 
I'm going to take off again, so we'll just stay on our action steps. You ready? So now that you've been saved, you've turned from your sin and turned to God, you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you now, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. I mean, the Word of God says that's, that's the way it works. Yes. You repent, you turn to God, you're baptized, you're filled. Peter was there like, what do we do? Here's the answer. Okay. So are you filled? Yes. If not, come and get him. He's ready to pour out into you. For this is the day of Pentecost that we celebrate that amazing God that we serve. So here's the last question. Are you boldly, boldly witnessing about Jesus to others? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. Yeah, boldly. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me? The altar's always open. If you need to repent, you need to turn from something, you need to be filled, whatever. You know, Spirit of God's faithful. The altar's always open. You come to Him. He loves you. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. You're an amazing God. God, I declare to you my need of you, my absolute just in awe. But a while ago we were singing, we stand with arms wide open. And God, we do that in complete and utter surrender to you, for you are God. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do your work. <laughs> Thank you for the revelation of your truth. Thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for power to live a godly life, for the power to be a bold witness. Lord, forgive us for declaring our personality is something that doesn't let us do that. Forgive us for not boldly proclaiming who you are to others. Forgive us for not standing strong in the faith. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for fresh anointing on your people, for fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit, for fresh boldness. God, Lord, we're praying that you would save Tucson. Lord, use us. We're here. We're about to go embrace and engage in this world that is lost. Help us to be bold in our faith, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, Amen church. Amen. God is so amazing, isn't he? Uh, go and serve him. God bless you. Have an amazing week with him. Hey.